If you enjoy the following podcast, please consider supporting the Stream Grace Network. Just visit streamgrace.com slash support. Hello and welcome to my little corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right, before we get started today, today's podcast is brought to you by the humble Stenopad. Without it, I would lose track of my questions and my thoughts as I'm talking to my guest. And uh, yeah, so that brings me to today's guest, my friend Mark Taylor. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. I mean, it. you know, today, as we record this, it was a very rainy day Yeah, today. My backyard, I've spent the last couple months transforming the backyard into a place I want to go. And so we put in a big fire pit, we put some crushed granite and stuff, and I saw today this river that now runs through my backyard that I kind of knew was there, didn't know how it was going to respond to the new stuff, and suffice to say, I've got some work to do. Well, we, we put a <laughs> we put a trampoline in our ground, like dug a hole, oh, put yeah. the trampoline in, and you know, in Oklahoma, that becomes a pond anytime it rains. Absolutely. So we we oh. got about two and a half inches last night. I know because there's two and a half inches of water inside the trampoline hole. Now, if it gets enough, can you just you just treat it like a pool and you just jump through it or what? Yeah, but there's stuff growing in there and <laughs> all the critters and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, stuff living yeah. in there at that point. You just yeah. go fishing. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know, a lot of times when I have my guests on, I talk about, I give them a title, right? They are, my, my last guest uh, we recorded, let's see, well, one of them recently, they were a serial entrepreneur, which was one of my favorite titles to say, because they can nonstop, they just have to create businesses. Um, and that's interesting. But I didn't say anything about yours, because for those who don't know, I want them to to just find out as you let them know in the course of this conversation. <laughs> that would be great. Fantastic. So let's start with the early years. And and I want you to imagine for a moment the 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 television show The Wonder Years. Sam uh, or not Sam? Uh, What's it? Fred Savage. You remember Fred Savage? Oh yeah. He played the the mole in uh, Austin Powers movie. I remember Winnie. Winnie Cooper. Girlfriend. Were yep. they actually girlfriend? Yeah. Girlfriend, yeah. Girlfriend, she was super smart too. She has like a awesome. PhD, like in real life. So anyway, imagine The Wonder Years. <laughs> We're going way back <laughs> then. It's totally, just totally off track there. Yep. So tell me, uh, tell me about where you grew up, what you were like, all that stuff. And I've, I've been all over the place. My dad was in the Air Force, so I was born in Florida, and then from Florida we went to Germany, then England, went to Texas, wow, then to New Mexico. So all of that happened. I got to New Mexico in fourth grade. Oh wow! So it all happened early, and then from fourth grade through high school, I was in New Mexico. Graduated high school, went to Austin, back to Texas for a year, back to New Mexico for about three years, then up to Colorado, to Colorado State. From Colorado, I went up to Seattle for about nine years, and then Seattle to Oklahoma City. Naturally. Sure. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That, that happens quite often. You know, people transplanting from Seattle to Oklahoma City. Right. It's like a nonstop thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So I've been here for, for 12 years. 12 years. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, let's go back to uh, New Mexico. Yeah. And uh, what part of New Mexico? 
Southern New Mexico, Alamogordo, New Mexico. That's a great name. Alamogordo. It means fat cottonwood. Yes. So that's hey. fantastic. <laughs> it's the closest cities to us were El Paso, Texas, which was 90 miles south. Wow. Nothing in between, like just desert. And the other direction to Las Cruces, New Mexico, which was 45 minutes, 45 miles. Um, and again, and nothing. What, and that was in an Air Force base, I'm assuming. Right. White Sands Missile Range is there. Holloman Air Force it. Base. So my dad did some cool stuff. At, at this point, he was rebuilding old like T-38s, like a plane jets. Yeah. Making them into drones so they'd fly them over the uh, missile range and then they'd shoot missiles at them and blow them up and see how they're testing the missiles. That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So full-sized jets that they're you know just using remote remote controls to fly these planes around dude that's awesome yeah forget podcasting that's where i'm headed exactly i'm like i'm sign me up yeah and that was years i mean that's 25 years ago 30 years ago that that's like the original drones not these little yeah exactly well in the white sands that's where they did the uh, nuclear test uh with the h-bomb right trinity site trinity site that's right so did you glow at any point do you have special powers still do yeah okay i can can see at night (laughs) that's fantastic what's your superhero name uh (laughs) fair enough do we do we want to go there no no no, not yet okay (laughs) <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening right now, I have a, a bona fide superhero in the studio, and we will reveal <laughs> who he is. Um, this is his alter ego right now that we're talking to. Um, okay, so you left at what, what point did you leave White Sands or Alamogordo? Al- yeah, nice. Thank you. Uh, I watch school. a lot of ancient aliens and history stuff, so I'd heard of Alamogordo. Yeah, we're not too far from Roswell. You know, right. It's about two hours away. Um, so after I graduated high school, then I left. But right before mm. I graduated, I met my my wife, my girlfriend at the time. So I was a senior. She was a freshman. I was 17. She was 14, which is crazy because wow. my, my daughter just turned 14 two weeks oh ago. Oh, my gosh. Does that mess you up? That messes me up. There's no If I see a 17-year-old coming around our house. Right. Yeah. Dead man. Exactly. So, <laughs> But yeah, I met, met my girlfriend, wife at the time, or girlfriend at the time, now wife. I, but I had already planned, me and my buddy were moving to Texas. So we ended up, graduated high school, we went to Texas. And then a year later I said, ah, I'm moving back to New Mexico until she graduates high school. And then we moved off to Colorado State, gotcha. Colorado, Fort Collins, so, Colorado. So when you went to Texas, what were you doing there? Just hanging out? Or are you going to school or what? I, I was taking one class uh, a semester to say I was going to school. Sure. But I was not. I was just, I mean, I went to the class, but yeah, it was just living life and trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And you said Austin, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was great. I love live music and beautiful weather and being outside playing volleyball. As a native Oklahoman, I have a love hate relationship with Austin. Um, mostly hate except for the, yeah, put the, yeah, yeah, for those not, that's not me. I'm not uh, fair enough. Those who weren't here in studio didn't see the hook'em horns, but I did. (laughs) And it's going to affect the rest of this interview, but that's all right. I have no allegiance to, well, either, I, even OU, no offense. but Right, understandably so. Yeah. Well, I will say this, um, I, I kid, because there are some fans out there that, that, you know, just hate any other, like the rival no matter what. I'm definitely not that guy. Um, I like, I'm a conference guy, I'm a... So I think in terms of, hey, I want this conference to do well. So I like, you know, when Texas does well, that's good. Um, right now, with the world of COVID, I just don't kind of care about any sports, to be honest with you. Um, and 
<laughs> what happens? Did you watch the Thunder? Uh, yeah. I have watched a little bit. Well, I watched a part of a game. Uh, are they out now? Did they lose? No, they There's, won last night. They did win last night. Okay, but so it was, it was close. It was right down to the end. So they're going to game seven then, yeah. Yep. Okay, so as we're recording this now, the right. fate of this has already been decided. But, exactly. But Mark and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of weird. I started doing. Um. They came in and recorded some stuff for for the Orlando stuff. So. What's weird is that I haven't been watching the games, but I'm pre- contributing to the games. So I'm like, well, I need to, I want to see how that turned out, you know? So I still haven't caught what I've done yet. I've caught the game, but not my parts, but you know, whatever. Yep. So, okay. So you went back to New Mexico, rescued your girlfriend, eventually turned to wife. Did you get married in New Mexico? No. Okay. We, we got mar- married in Colorado. Fort Collins, you said? Yes. Fantastic. And how long were you in Colorado? There for about three years. Um, I got a job with the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets while I was my senior year at Colorado State. So I went, uh, I was kind of going back and forth between um, between school and working for them. Gotcha. I love the Colorado Avalanche. Yes. How fun. Me too. What did you do for the Colorado Avalanche? Well, funny you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can guess, but. Yeah. So, uh well, right before that, I was working for the Denver Nuggets, and so my degree was in marketing, and um, so during the summer, they hire some college interns to come in, stick you in a construction trailer in the parking lot, and it's just like a sweat sweatshop, yeah. sweat room, I don't know what to uh, <laughs> We're cold, we're, yeah, we're cold calling people. <laughs> oh, wow. So, hey, we've just found this file, and um, your name's on it, but there's nothing in it. Did you call us or inquire about season tickets in the past and you'd be interested in no one wants the Denver Nuggets? Well, back then, back no then, one yeah. no one wanted the Nuggets and the Avalanche were doing great at that point. Um so I did that for a summer, which was interesting. Yeah. And then um got to love re- rejection, I would assume. Just fell well, in love with it. It really yeah, I, and we play games with it. It was like, okay, the first person to get 15 people to say no, the quickest wins. And we'll all put five bucks in. It's like, go. And you just start calling. Oh my God. Do you want to go on to meet with us? No? Okay, great. Thanks. See you. The worst like, thing that like, happens is, you know, I am kind of thinking about doing yeah, season like, tickets. No, please well, no. there goes my money. Yeah. It's a great time. Good that's learning awesome. process. But then that's when it's the same company. The the Avalanche and the Nuggets are owned by the same company and they shared like it was all the same executives and if you worked in the marketing department, you worked for both teams. So I got to know everyone in the organizations. And then when their mascot, the Colorado Avalanche mascot got fired, they called me up and said, Hey, we've seen you mascotting up at Colorado state. You've worked for us in the business office as an intern. We're not going to do a tryout. If you want it, the job is yours. I'm like, wow, sure. But I'm still in college. I, and I want to be a really want to be a professional mascot for the NBA. Mm. And they said, well, it's good thing you said that because the guy who's the mascot for the Denver Nuggets is going to be retiring anytime soon. We've applied for a WNBA team for the, for Denver. So you could, if we, once we get that, you could be the mascot for the avalanche. You could become the mascot for the WNBA and learn in basketball. And then when our NBA guy leaves, you can take over for him. Wow. It's like, that sounds great, but you know, my, my goal is NBA and as quick as I can. Yeah. Uh, two months later, the Seattle Sonics fired their mascot and started calling around. They wanted the Denver Nuggets mascot to go up there. He was on contract. and But he said, I've got this guy working for the Avalanche that I know. You might look at him. And 
went up for tryouts and got the job up there. And wow, that's all yeah. she wrote. That's How it. about that? So, uh, and what was the name of the Seattle Sonics? Squatch. Squatch. So kind of weird. So they, <laughs> the the Avalanche mascot was Howler. He's a white Yeti. They're the original mascot. Even on the jerseys, you'll see the I remember footprint. That. footprint. Yeah. They ended up retiring that mascot about maybe ten years ago, um, and and created like a dog, like a Saint Bernard that has the barrel under the yeah thing, and um, which I liked. Howler much better. Or howler, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then up in Seattle, it was um, Squatch because that's you know Sasquatch oh, yeah. sightings are huge up there. Right, Mount which, Rainier. Yes. Did you know that the second, well, at the time, the second most um, most uh, sightings for Sasquatches or Bigfoots was in Oklahoma? I, you know what, I recently learned that. Weird. It is weird because I would see these uh, little decals on the back of people's cars and stuff. I'm like, why is this a thing here? And then I asked somebody and it's like, yeah, it's all over the place here. Yeah. When we, when we found out we were moving to Oklahoma City, started researching that and I was like, that, that would be a perfect thing. If we move from Seattle to Oklahoma City, we should just bring the Squatch with exactly. us. Exactly. But the team had other ideas. That's true. So um, for those who haven't figured this out yet, <laughs> we're sitting across from the original Rumble the Bison. From the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hey, hey. And I'm going to tell you, so I don't know if you remember this, Mark, but I remember, so, you know, I've been with the team from basically the beginning. And so um, (laughs) I remember talking to you for the first time. We were on the court. Rumble hadn't been introduced yet. We were on the court and uh, in front of the scorer's table, not in a game, of course, um, for rehearsal or something. And we were talking about this new, you, you said that they're putting in a new scoreboard and you're telling me about the scoreboard. And I'm like, well, that's cool. And I remember thinking, I didn't know who you were, right? Because, um, again, we didn't have a mascot. And, I mean, I didn't know who you were. You were just a guy with a thunder polo. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, and I remember walking away and I'm like, man, he's such a nice guy. I really like that guy. And and I, I was talking to Denell before we started. And I said, here's the funny thing. I said, I didn't know Mark was Rumble probably months into you having already been revealed oh yeah because (laughs) i was like i was you know for me the the thunder uh was my first sports foray in sound i'd been running sound for a a bunch of other things but that was the first thing in sports and um so i didn't know the ins and outs of how that world worked so on on all the documentation what was your title like a fan and specialist or something um actually i think it it ended up being ma- um, manager, manager of mascot affairs. Yes. Right. Yes. So from my perspective, so. I'm like, oh, he works with Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> Runs the mascot stuff. Yeah. And then we'd be in meetings and you'd refer to Rumble in the third person. And so I just assumed it was some dude I didn't know. And yep. I don't think I don't. I'm trying to remember when I figured it out. And it may not have been you. It may have been like John or somebody who just yeah. said, Mark. Go. go yeah. Mark's going to go out to center court, exactly. wave the flag. And like, why is Mark going to do that? Right. <laughs> right. But then I'm like, oh my gosh. And then that was one story I was going to tell you. Cause I thought that was the craziest thing. I thought, well, I'm just naive. I mean, I'm in my early thirties at this point when, when this happens and I'm thinking, surely I should not have been this clueless about this. How old were you when Santa Claus was fake? Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Mark? That's not, Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember. I was young. Yeah, I was 31, I think. <laughs> so, so this is the other thing I really, I, I felt really uh, blessed to be able to take the picture of Rumble 
um, probably 90 seconds before the reveal, the first reveal. Wow. And I remember oh, how. Yes, <laughs> I remember that now. Do you remember yes. that? Do you remember scaring the bejesus out of mm-hmm. me? <laughs> and it was so great because I needed that. I was so nervous. Were you really? Freaking out and just like, yeah, we hit because we really hadn't practiced the full introduction all the way through. And so, yeah, I remember I I took the bag. So normally once Rumble was introduced, I would always change in the in the locker room down on the court level and ride the elevator up to the upper level and then walk out on the catwalk to do any of the you know rope work that I was coming down from the, the rafters or whatever but since no one had ever seen rumble before for the initial unveiling we said well I'll I'll take a pack him in the duffel bag I'll ride up the elevator and then I'll change in the sound booth and then from there, no one will really, really see me. Yeah. But I don't think we really told you guys no. that, that was going to happen. None of us knew. And so, yeah, for the first time, <laughs> it's kind of dark up there. I'm, yeah. I'm behind all the like the amps and everything. I get all suited up, get the head on and pop out. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, we didn't have we didn't even know what the rumble or what the mascot was going to be. Right. So literally no idea. As far as I was concerned, it was one of the world famous Oklahoma City giant rats (laughs) just coming to destroy me. But but I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, it just yeah, it startled me. And then I'm like, you started to run like, I don't know. We probably delayed the show. I'm like, no, wait, I got to take a picture. (laughs) But um, but yeah, man. And then. And then thus started that world, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Well, one of the things that, um, what what do you get asked for those who figure out whether you tell, you know, who know that you were a mascot, what do you get asked the most? Uh, number one is always, is it hot in there? That <laughs> nonstop. Like, <laughs> Don't we it, already know the answer I, to that? I would think that seems like it would be a pretty obvious thing. You yeah. know, you're wearing a fur costume and you're jumping around and running like crazy all over the place. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hot, hot in there. It's hot. It's, you just get used to it. Do you have any it. fans? I don't have fans. That's the second question yeah. though. Is, you know, I think a lot of college mascots and like corporate mascots will put fans in their heads mm-hmm. and it does help because you, you're soaking wet. As soon as you get the costume on, you're already sweating. So any kind of moving air cools you down quickly. But if you think about like, pardon me using the word pistol Pete in front of you, but that's no, all right. But pistol Pete, he <laughs> pretty much stands around and does nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, the Chick-fil-A cows, they don't, right. they're not flipping around and running crazy. <laughs> so they can have a fan and extra weight and batteries and all that stuff. I don't want any of that. Like when we're creating this costume, it is as streamlined, perfectly fitting as l- light as possible. And so I'm not going to put, a fan or whatever sure. in, in the costume. So talk about that process a little bit. So you're in on the design. What part of, do you play in the design of this costume? Well, way back to Seattle. So once we heard in Seattle that the, the team was going to be moving to Oklahoma City, me and my buddy John, John Brooks. Mm-hmm. So at that time, he was a, a part-time assistant for me. He was still in college. He ended up, he moved to Oklahoma City with us, um, started full-time when when we first were creating the the Rumble character, and then was with me for all seven years, um, just a a great guy. And he really, it was a two person job, really me and John. So I I feel bad because I usually get a lot of I get all the credit, and it really is a two person yeah. job. If you ever saw Rumble anywhere, when I was in costume, so for the first seven years, you either saw John or you didn't see him because he's doing his job really well, and he was just hiding somewhere around. He's right. the guy. 
making sure I didn't trip over any little kids. Uh, he had the Sharpie there ready to go. He was the bad guy when it was like, oh, it's it's a timeout. Sorry, sorry, guys. Rumble can't, no more no more pictures, no more autographs. He's got to get down to the court. Yeah. He he was the bad guy. But, and he so. did that great. I want to just say, I mean, I don't know if he's even listening. I'm not doing it for his benefit. But seriously, you know, from my vantage point, I tend to see those things, the little, the the background stuff. And he did an awesome job. He, it, absolutely. 100%. I, I, by far the best in the business. I mean, worldwide. So, in well, you qualify as that. Well, thank you. But I mean, seriously. There, yeah. There's. Uh, I still think Rocky, the Denver Nuggets mascot's number one. Oh, and back to that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's still the same guy. Is still he's performing still the- as the Denver Nuggets mascot, and now he is 54, I believe, and he's going into his 33rd season. He was going to retire a bunch of times, but he he actually had his. Everything was done, and then the team just asked him maybe a couple weeks ago, "Can you do one more season because of all this COVID stuff?" So, wow, thirty I mean, something years. You know, the only reason I knew that was because of uh, of another friend of mine named Rumble. <laughs> oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of telling me a little bit about that. Crazy, it is crazy. So, back to the design process. When we're in Oklahoma City, or we're in Seattle, we found out we're going to Oklahoma City. We instantly start searching, like what. What kind of animals are in Oklahoma City? What just trying to come up with ideas on what what could we make this? We we didn't know the name and they didn't have a name set until much later on. In most teams, you don't really unless it's you know Chicago Bears, you're going to have a bear mascot. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Miami Heat, what are you? If you're right. the Phoenix Suns, what are you? You're not going to make a Sun mascot. So we had a pretty unless good, you're Jackie Moon and it's the Flint Tropics. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And and Sorry. you saw how cheesy that was. So. Right. But I don't know. It, it works sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But we know, like, just my experiences in mascotting that animals tend to be the best um, for engagement and interaction with, with families and kids. Mm-hmm. So we were looking for animals. And bison popped up everywhere. You know, anytime we did any kind of searches, it's like the state mammal. Um, just some really cool things about bison and buffaloes. And... I went to Colorado State, which were the Rams, and our rival is the CU Buffaloes. Mm-hmm. So I made sure we it will not be known as a buffalo; it will be a bison. <laughs> so that was a big push on on my part. But we thought, how cool would it be to have uh, Boomer the Bison? Mm. Well, Whoops. we were still in Seattle and did not realize. Oh, that that would not work for at least half of the state the population. Yeah, <laughs> right. So we quickly pulled that name and. Um, we went through a whole process. We had a, there's a marketing company that we were working with, with the Thunder uh, marketing team coming up with the different ideas and kind of finally came to rumble. Um, but the bison was pretty much the only thing we really thought about from the beginning. Um, and then we have a, a costume company out in Salt Lake city that was made, made squatch. It's made, they've made 70% of the NBA mascots, mm. a lot of professional mascots. So I knew I wanted to work with them so we had them draw up some ideas. I just said, I want an athletic bison, mm-hmm. something that's kid friendly, but still, um, you know, lovable, huggable, but still has that kind of badass. like adults would still and, and like young men would be like, yeah, that's cool. I like I like that ca- character. Sure. And so they they came up with about three or four different drawings and we went through and said, OK, we like the direction here. Let's start fine tuning it. We agreed upon this drawing and then they they make a clay mold of the face oh wow 
and then you agree on that and then they pour the plaster or like the latex and start building a, a costume around that. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, well, it's it, now this is a thing is was impressive to me and, and I, I'll talk, we'll talk some more about this too, but um, you talked about it being lightweight and all that jazz. It's like, I look at that and I think you're flipping off of trampolines doing dunks. And my process of thought is that the, the head's going to come off at some <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah, man, it's that that's always the biggest fear. Um, so it's it's got a helmet inside that is glued to the foam, like the inside. And then it's a chin strap on. So it, it's not coming off. Gotcha. I, I've had I've had some times where I was at high school games doing pep rallies and stuff and get into the student section and the kids are grabbing oh. the, the head, pulling it and like. I know it doesn't come off because I'm my feet You're are off the ground. Up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my feet are off the ground and the head's staying on. But is yeah, there a protocol? Is there like a mascot protocol? If the head comes off, what do we do? I, I think it just it's all in what situation, where you are, what's going on. I've seen some funny things happen where um, the the Blazers mascot up in Portland, he was doing a little like tumbling run, back handsprings and stuff, and and the head popped off, and he just pulled it. Pull up, up under. Yep. So it looked like his head is gone. So he pulls his shoulders up over. And um, so that was pretty funny. And then there's some other guys who just kind of cover their face and scramble off or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not something you want to plan for or hope for. Right. Least. For sure. Yeah. So, so they get it all made, then they send it out to you and you go to town, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, the funny thing about the timing on that is that that was in February and um, we were moving from Seattle to Oklahoma city. The, the weather pattern is a new thing for us. Mm. We had some earthquakes in Seattle, like real or like a 7.2. So major earthquake. Yeah. It was like, well, at least we won't have earthquakes when we moved to Oklahoma city, which mm. then we started having some earthquakes, but, <laughs> but the whole tornado thing was new. And so it was early in that, that year. And the, the thunder staff said, we're going to have the, the guy from OU or, you know, the, weather center guy is going to come and talk about tornadoes and just so everyone from Seattle can kind of get acclimated. Yep. Up, you yeah. know what, what's supposed to happen when you hear the siren, what does that mean? This whole thing. And they're like, we're, we're going to have them come, you know, like it probably the end of February or maybe March, it'll be early before storm season hits. So you don't have to worry about it. And you'll, you'll know. <laughs> well, th- it was like early February and there was that freak tornado right. that was up kind of North Oklahoma city, Edmond area. We went right up pin right by the, um, target knocked over a bunch of light poles and everything. My house is two miles from there. And my wife called me and she's like, what am I supposed to do? And so I'm telling her where she's, she's picking up the kids from school. I'm just like, stay there at school at the church. And, uh, and then my, once I knew she was safe and the kids were safe, my next thought was, the the costume we had just got it two days before is sitting at my house. Oh no! If this tornado takes my house away in the costume, you know we're supposed to unveil it like two days later. Like there's no way we'll have time. It takes you know six weeks if they really rush to make this costume. Wow! So I'm like, there's going to be some bison head flying through the <laughs> oh, air, gosh. landing out in some field somewhere, and the farmer's going to find this head. <laughs> no one knows what it is because it hasn't been unveiled. It's yet. even better. It's going to yeah, become so like, like an urban this? legend. Yeah. So I was so worried about that, less, you know, not so much about my health or wellness. <laughs> like, no, please don't take my oh mascot my costume. But yeah, it, it was all fine. It didn't hit our house. It lifted up and went around. But then uh, Presty was nice enough to let me use the training facility 
it's the older training facility at the time, or now it is, mm-hmm. where the blue, uh, are they still called the blue? I don't know, what, whatever, the the minor league team. Um, and he's like, I know you need to practice your introduction stuff and you you can be in there private, no one will see it. So for people like you who, so you wouldn't even, you didn't even know because right. you're not at the training facility and no one was. It was me, John, and then our the facilities guy. So those are the only three people who ever even really saw Rumble until we did a photo shoot uh, the morning of that, or the day before, I guess it was. But hmm. yeah, so it's pretty, pretty crazy times. Man, it is. And then, you know, one of the other cool things, um, and we're going to talk about more of the mascots, by the way. <laughs> but one of the other things is... Uh, I I mascoting is fun. It, it's cool. It's, okay, yeah. it's a really cool deal. Um, and this is the thing, like I had Paige Carter on not long ago. And... Um, and a lot of people have messaged me since that um, aired because they were just intrigued at what it's like to be the coach of an NBA, you know, um, dance team. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping to get here too. Is I think <laughs> I think a lot of people have these kind of questions. Like all the questions, some of them I have answers to already. So I'm trying to ask questions maybe I already know the answer to, just because I think it's interesting. But I have two of them um, that I'm going to get to. But I want to talk to you about the different outfits. So like. Uh, you know, when we'd have, uh, I remember like we have a magician, for example, Rumble will come out in a magician's costume. Yep. Um, how did that unfold? Well, you know, I'd always try to, to change it up a little bit. And, um, a lot of those costumes came from Seattle. So I, I had a great seamstress in Seattle that would make anything. Rumble was a lot thicker in the shoulders. We were trying to build it up to look more like a bison kind of top heavy. Mm-hmm. So some of those costumes didn't quite fit as well, but yeah, I, I had a local lady who would make anything that I ever needed and just try to make that work. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I especially liked it when you had an act at halftime and you'd come out mocking that act. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you ever do, uh, were you ever dressed up as red Panda? Yes. That was, okay. I actually, I've, I've only won one award for, so at every summer, the NBA mascots all get together. We have a conference and then we all vote on mascot of the year, uh, in-game skit of the year. So if you had like a timeout where you, you do some type of entertainment thing, stunt of the year. So that, that, that doesn't have to necessarily be in the arena. Uh, a lot of guys do things outside of the arena sure. and then uh, video of the year, video skit of the year. So there's sometimes some, time, some you know, during a timeout or a quarter break where you have a recorded entertainment thing. Um, so we, we had a, a award for that and then leadership mm. uh, award. So I, my second to last year, I got the, the on court skit of the year because of the red Panda. Spoof. Oh, cool. There so those go. of you who don't know who red Panda is, yeah, <laughs> probably, I think the best halftime act in all the NBA. Yeah. It's this lady who gets on a unicycle it's kind of balances on one foot. They call it idling where you kind of bounce back and forth balancing on one foot. She puts a bowl on her foot, flips it. And then she has another bowl on her head. She flips the bowl up in the air, lands in the bowl that's on, it's balanced on her head. Then she puts two bowls out, then three bowls and four bowls. And she, so the last one is five bowls. She kicks them up in the air. They all almost always land. And I've seen her only miss it. Well, twice I was at a game, uh, watching a game in LA my son's birthday, we went out mm. there and I saw her drop the third bowl and I was blown away. Yeah. But, so I always wanted to do something to kind of 
not it, I guess mocking is probably it's more it's, of an homage. Yeah, really. yeah exactly. Yeah. So and I can't ride the unicycle well enough to balance. I can ride it straight lines and kind of turn a little bit. So I found this one that's actually a three wheel like tricycle version. So that worked out well. And then I found a dress that looks similar to what she would normally wear. And I made sure that would fit over rumble <laughs> and then got a, a, a styrofoam bowl, yeah. stuck it on rumble's head and pinned it to the head. So it's not going to fall off. And then with fishing wire, I put some fishing wire around my finger and ran it up through the bowl and then came out and then tied another bowl to it. <laughs> so I stuck that bowl on my foot. And so when I move my hand out, like I'm you know, stretching my arms out, it would pull the bowl into the other bowl. Right. And, uh, Voila. look like I, yeah, look like I just flipped the bowl. And then, and then obviously the kicker is then I take the bow to say, Oh, thank you. But the bowl stays right. stuck on. And <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a good time. That's man. See, that's so fun. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> I I knew I remembered it. I was, I was thinking my, I just know that was the case. Cause red panda is just, I mean, if you, if you go to NBA games, especially if you're a season ticket member, you've seen red panda oh, yeah. at some point. Um, okay. So outside appearances, this is one of the things I learned about you that I thought was crazy. A lot of people ask about, I mean, they'll ask me, um, well, is the mascot a full-time gig? And I'm like, well, yeah, but talk a little bit about that, like yeah, how busy you are. That is, that's usually one of the third, fourth, maybe fifth questions I get. So what do you do with the rest of your time? Or what do you, is this a full-time thing? And yeah, it was nonstop. So it was, uh, besides the 42, 43 games a year, not including playoffs. Right. Um, then we would do anywhere from 250 to 450 appearances in the community so is anything from 450. School. Right. And so that if you th- you know there's only yeah. 365 days in a year and you've got uh, I tried not to do appearances on game days because those were uh, grueling days sure. just by themselves. But there's there's times where we do a school school show in the morning and then try to take a few hours off before the game that night. We do school shows. We would go to grand openings. Um, a lot of the sp- Thunder sponsors supporting them with different things that they had going on. Uh, the the best things were like hospital visits, going to the children's mm. hospital or um, special needs type places. And just uh, when you when you see the the reactions from the kids and from special needs people, uh, that I mean, those are moments that I'll remember forever. And um, and you really start to. Uh, understand the power of like, I, I'm just a dude in a costume, but it really changes people, the, the, their day, you know, it doesn't really change their lives, but in that moment, they forget everything that's going on. So hmm. you get some kid that's dealing with cancer and um, is going through some treatments and is in, in pain and you walk in and that's all gone for him for that moment. And then they still you know, you leave a picture behind an autograph picture or something and they get to remember that moment and it helps them take their mind off of what's going on and kind of suspend reality yeah. for a little bit. Uh, so those are, that's, that, that's the thing I miss most about the job. There's really not much else that I <laughs> missed about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, the nonstop appearances and I love that part. So I am, I would say I'm a ser- serial entrepreneur as well. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. I've got a few businesses and I've, I've had a bunch of others. And uh, so for me, it was, that was part of the, uh, the business side of mascotting was like, how can I get more appearances and how can I expand the the brand of rumble? 
uh, and really be a part of the community and help support the community because we do a lot of things for for charities. Um, and if you if they said Rumble's coming to our charity fundraiser, that that draws more people, and yeah. so we're able to help them do more just by having a guy in a fuzzy costume show right. up. So. You know, there's a couple of things I thought of while that was going on, and I'll and I'll start by giving you kind of what happened with me. I, as I've been a worship leader for 24 years, and uh, I remember <clears throat> when you when you go to church, you're a worship leader. A lot of times, there's signers, right? People who do um, ASL. And I remember this uh, this one lady. She's a great friend of mine now. She came to the church fresh, and and uh, I got to meet with a lot of the new folks at the church um, for a period of time. It was one of the roles that I got to be in. And when I met with her, she talked about signing, and and I remember thinking to myself, this will be interesting because we don't have any people um, who can't hear at the church. And so I felt like, you know, she's not going to have much of an opportunity to really use that gift, so to speak. And so, uh, and then the other side of that is you don't have anybody who can't uh, hear at the church because you don't have anybody signing. Right. <laughs> you know, Chicken or the egg. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I remember her talking about um, what she loved so much about signing was that in worship, um, that so often she'd be moved and get emotional. And she said, when I'm singing and that happens, I'm just, I'm interrupted but I can sign and still be emotional. Hmm. And it was, a, it was a really neat thing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional dude, so I really connected with that. But as you were talking about this and, and visiting those wards in the hospital, I kept couldn't help but think to myself the advantage I would feel being in a costume where I could have emotions <laughs> without them seeing the emotions. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Did you ever have moments where you just were overwhelmed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nonstop. Well, one of the questions I get often or did get often was, are you smiling when you're taking pictures? Mm. And and that's one of those things like sometimes I'm in that moment and I I might smile or I, I'm, but most of the time I wasn't even paying attention to what's going on. I'm looking down at the floor or I'm looking around because they can't see my eyes. Right. So they don't know where I'm looking. I, I point Rumble's head towards the, the camera, but then I'm looking around. What's the next thing that I'm going to do? So oftentimes... I would, I wouldn't be in that moment, mm. um, but w- at hospitals and those kind of things where there's nothing else going on, and I know I don't have to entertain anything else. I, I'm here just for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there'd be times where you're crying, and then I'm trying not to, you know, make my shoulders bouncing right. up and down, or right. um, you know, it, it starts running down. The way the costume was so tight to my face, if if I was crying, it would actually come out of the eye. Oh wow! So I was. Trying not to, you know, have, that's a great effect. Though. That would be pretty cool <laughs> if you wanted that. You know, right, I don't want the right. kid seeing you cry right, right there. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. So, um, so two more questions about masking. Then I'm going to move on. Um, unless you want to just go for days yeah, on it, that's fine. It. Um, you said earlier you specifically you wanted NBA. Yeah. So tell me about that. What What's the big difference there? Well, if you think about all sports. Um, you know, with hockey, there's two intermissions. Uh, they've have they've added more timeouts over the years for TV, uh, but they don't allow anyone on the ice because they don't want to mess up the ice. So during the intermissions, the Zamboni Zamboni's going. So you'd really you don't have a, much of a stage. Mm-hmm. Baseball fields are huge. They don't really do timeouts, or you can't get on the court or on the field. But they'll be up on the dugouts, which is kind of cool. There's 60,000, 40,000 fans. They can't really see you. Mm-hmm. Football, same thing. There's not really, when they have TV timeouts, you don't go on, no one's allowed on the field. 
They have halftime, but stadium's huge. So if you think about all those different sports, you get to basketball, there is a, a small stage right in the center. Everyone's focused towards that. There are scheduled timeouts plus extra timeouts. There are breaks at the end of each quarter. There's halftime. So there's there are times, we, we kind of joked in the NBA, the mascot uh, conferences that you know, the basketball was kind of the timeouts. So <laughs> people are coming to see us during our performance. And then, oh, when we're done, they're going to play a little basketball for right. a while. Okay, now they're done. So we're it's us again. Um, so it, it really comes down to the stage. It's just the perfect, the perfect environment to perform. You can interact with fans. Uh, and while you're interacting with fans, everyone else can see it. So if I'm, if I'm in the fifth row, row five through 20 can see what I'm doing and interacting with that fan. Mm. If you're in a football stadium, it's just, it, it's so big and expansive. You get lost. Yeah. Um, so that's really, that's why I love, I wanted NBA, wanted to be in basketball. And then you have, you've got the video board too, right there. So uh, you can do video skits mm. and that kind of stuff. I like that. Well, and, and I think too, NBA, you know, midst all of that, it lends itself to all of the variety. I mean, one of the things I think that people, talked about a lot was rumble did a lot of stuff yeah um from drums to acrobatics to repelling and and belaying and all that stuff so um i don't think i think all of that would be challenging to execute in other sports fundamentally and you can you can get on and off stage quickly so Mm. anytime anyone pete weinmiller remember all vp of guest relations who passed away just a few years back yeah he he had a a term on stage off stage that he learned from disney years ago so he was a he pete was in seattle so that's when i when i started in 1999 in in seattle he taught me that right away so when you're on stage that could be in i might be in the tunnel where no one can really see me except across the court there's some people they can see me though so i'm on stage yeah the only time i'm not on stage is when no fans can see me and that's typically only when i was in my locker room Mm mm-hmm so if I'm standing on the corner waiting for the next timeout, I need to be performing. I'm on stage. And but the nice thing is from on stage to off stage is really close compared to a football stadium where you might so you you you're out performing your heart out as hard as you can for 2 minutes or whatever it is. You're gasping for air. Now you've got a 300-yard <laughs> jaunt to right. get back to your locker room so you're off stage. I had, you know, 20 feet 30 feet to the, to the corner where my locker room was. And I could, I could, so I could give everything I had and be almost ready to pass out and know I just need to get around that corner. Right. John has the door open, ready for me. I fall in, <laughs> rip the head off, get in front of the fan, chug some water, spray water on me, whatever it takes and uh, cool down and wow. catch my breath. So, so, um, you mentioned Disney and this is what made me think of it is, uh, that and then my own uh, experience meeting Rumble for the first time. How often do you scare the bejesus out of kids? With 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 Rumble, it wasn't too bad. I, it was probably age five and under. It was about uh, 40 percent chance that the kids are going to be scared. Yeah. But it's all it's all on the presentation. So if they, their back was to, towards me when they first, you know, I tap their shoulder, they turn around. Right. They're probably going to be scared. Yeah. If I'm looming over above <laughs> Precisely them. Precisely what happened to yes. me. Yes. <laughs> if it's, if it's dark, if, right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of those things you just take into account and like 
if a kid's back towards me and the parents are like, hey, look, 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 I, I would know I need to back up as quickly as I can. So when they turn around, You're I'm not. still 20 feet away mm. and they don't feel uh, unsafe. Sure. Like, whoa, that guy's too close. <laughs> right. And then getting down on their level. So, you know, I would always go on one knee or try to stay low, uh, go hug the parent first before going to the kid. If, if I felt like they were starting to, to be scared or there's a chance of that. So over time you start to learn those signs of people who are not going to be comfortable with, with Squatch, man, that was, it was more like 60% of the time they would be scared. So if oh, you wow. look up a picture, just Google a picture of Seattle Sonics yeah. Squatch. I'm going to do it while we're sitting here. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's freaky. And you could see it was, it was a latex mask that I wore and it was my real eyes that looked out. So oh, wow. I wore some makeup, some eye black that went around my my white skin so you couldn't see that glaring out. But so I use that to my advantage sometimes. And when you have some teenage kids that just think they're funny, I look at them and blink and they're like, whoa. Oh, dude. Yeah, this is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Wow. But you probably see some similarities too between Squatch and Rumble, that longer hair, more mm-hmm. realistic. And that was what we were going for is, you know, the, the, there's like the Philly fanatic who's just kind of an it or like a Muppet kind of character. Oh yeah. I mean, those are, those can be good and entertaining, but I really love Squatch and more the realistic type of character. Is this you jumping through a flaming hoop? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that we didn't get to do that in, in Oklahoma city because uh, the new Orleans Hornets, the mascot, the Hornet, uh, had an issue in when they were trying to put out the flame during a playoff game. They used the wrong fire extinguisher. Instead of using a dry, they used the powdered one, and it shot powder Trap all over the, the court, court. Yeah, delayed the game for twenty minutes or something. I remember that. Had to, yeah, <laughs> wet mop the whole floor because it was so slippery. Yeah. So yeah. after that happened, they said no more fire uh, on the court during the game. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, I I. Uh, I've been practicing my mascot moves because one of the things that has always, um, I have, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a phobia. I had this challenge with mascots and it's that, um, I, I read body language and I look at someone's face to know if they understand me and to help me understand them. And you can't do that with a mascot. It's, it's a dead face. It's like just what it is. And so I'm always super uncomfortable when a mascot's <laughs> looking at me. So I'm like, What's going on here? What's happening? Yeah, I can't so read So I've started practicing that with my wife in the car. <laughs> so when she's driving, I'll just turn my head and just stare at her. And I just keep my face deadpan the whole time, no matter what she says. And I just make motions with my arms. <laughs> I don't think she likes it either. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of freaky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that's a, and that's one of the big reasons that I think human type mascots are usually not the best. That's why we like, I prefer animals and those kind of things because it's not so awkward but again yeah. sorry of all you pistol pete fans but when pistol pete looks at you just straight on it's <laughs> it's a human looking at you right. but if you have you know rumble look at you it straight on it's not quite it's like an animal as, yeah it's not quite as bad yeah my the biggest compliment i ever got and i luckily i got this quite a bit is you know, i have a friend that was at the game and then the next day I, I see him and they're like, Hey, I, when I came, when you came by my seat, I, I was looking at you like, how did you make the, 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 the face smile? Like, is there a, something in your hand that you squeeze oh, a button wow. or something like that? And how do you make, it's like, it doesn't move. It's this dead face, you know, straight face. Or I saw you laughing, but it looked like, you know, the eyes kind of got close. 
like nothing changes on that. So that was all like body language. Right. You know, when you're, when you're laughing, you know, your shoulders go up and down naturally. And so you have to do that and your head kind of shakes a little bit. So, uh, or when you want to smile, you tilt your head just slightly and hmm. uh, a little of those kind of moves. And that's, that was, that's awesome. The biggest compliment I would, I would go for and I would yeah. get every once in a while, but that's man, that's really cool. Yeah. So obviously, you know, mascotting your whole life clearly prepared you for your current <laughs> career. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I see the very oh natural gosh. progression into <laughs> pastoring a church. Yeah. Yeah. It's so if you're familiar with the Bible at all, uh, God calls Moses to be a leader. And, and his first thing is like, I, I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. So you know, why are you calling me? You call the wrong person. <laughs> right. I, I can, I don't want to compare myself with Moses, but I can identify with that because my, my full professional career, 16 years was perfecting nonverbal communication, body language, right. gestures. And then now if you ask me, that makes you the perfect man for the job. Yeah. Wow. It's one, it's all pent up. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's ready to go. But two, you've, you've listened. I mean, by default right, you're yeah. listening. And I think that, uh, that's a lost art. Yeah. Yeah. And that really was, I had to pay attention to what people were saying and understanding, like you said, body language and, uh, what are people really saying? Um, and a lot of times I couldn't hear what they were saying because I've got, right. you know, it's a muffled <laughs> fur head that I'm wearing. So it really is a lot of body language and facial expressions and looking at the surroundings. And, and I've found that with being a pastor, people say one thing, you know, they walk into church and like, hey, how's it going? Oh, things are great. And you can see like mm-hmm. things are not great. That's that's just what they're saying right now. So uh, note to self, I need to check with Bob, whoever it is, you know, later in the week or, or right after service and see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I, it is, it was pretty cool that, uh, that's kind of my, my path. But I, so right after I, I was mascotting, I, um, there's a senior, uh, season ticket member, longtime lady who she was like the first person I met when I got to Oklahoma city and uh, she was immediately saying, you know, you need a dentist, you need a doctor, your kids taken care of, where are they going to school? All this stuff mm-hmm. just really took us in and, and didn't change. She was like that my entire time. And even after I stopped mascotting. So that was a big thing. Cause that's cool. You know, you, you, there's a lot of people who you meet that when they found out I was the mascot, they treat you a little differently. Sure. And, um, and, and then when I'm finished, they treat you a little differently again. And mm-hmm. so you know who they really are, but she was consistent the whole time. So when I, I finished, um, I, I was going to take about six months off and just kind of see what, what's the next thing for me. And about six weeks in, I'm like, I got to do something. I, yeah. I cannot sit around. And my wife's like, you cannot sit around, get out of yeah, here. Go from 450 dates a year yes. to nothing. Right. No, you <laughs> cannot come to target with me again today. <laughs> no, go do something else. Find a hobby and, so I called her and like, all right, I need something. I need to do something here. And she said, we need to have lunch tomorrow. I'm going to email you a proposal. Um, we'll talk. And she emailed me this proposal that they had been writing her company that she has. They uh, had been writing some grants for, to start a fatherhood program. And they'd written this number of times and hadn't got the the grant. They had just got the grant. Um, so I, I finished with the thunder in September and probably two weeks later, they got the 
the the award for a five year grant. Wow. And so she said, I think this is your next move. I think this is what you're supposed to be doing. Would you consider starting this fatherhood program with us and running this? And I was like, man, it, it was totally a God sent, you know, God kind of thing. Cause right before that, my, uh, one of our neighbors was going through a divorce. She came over and she's like, can, could you just hang out with my son? You know, his dad's not going to be around much right now. And he needs a, a male role model. Mm. Some other person gave me a book called the, the father void and like, Hey, we, uh, for some reason I felt like I need to be giving you this. Wow. And so a lot of like fatherhood themed like stuff neon going on. signs going on. Yes. I'm like, God, could you just give me a sign of what I'm supposed to do next? <laughs> right. Here's a book. Hey, kick it out of my way. What, what's next? <laughs> oh God, please. So, and then, so that all worked out with, um, it's, it's my community initiative a nonprofit down in Bricktown. And so help create that uh, fatherhood program for low income fathers and did that for, uh, almost five years. Mm. Uh, we're getting pretty close to the, the finish of it when I was really starting to struggle with, um, it was a federal grant. So the money coming from the federal government, you have to really be careful on uh, talking about any type of religious gotcha. or uh, any type of faith. You can do that as long as you give a wide, you know, you're you're not talking about one faith, you're talking about everything. So you can take say things like spirituality and have you can speak in the word faith like generically, but you wouldn't say Christianity or yes. anything else. Right. Yeah. I couldn't say, yeah, Islam or anything. Right. It can't be a specific <clears throat> religion. And, and for me, I felt like we were doing some awesome things for, for the fathers that were coming to this program. We were teaching them about communication skills, parenting skills, and, um, and then employment and how to provide. So it's how to be a better parent, provider and partner. It's mm. kind of a three piece. And I was seeing, I could see lives being transformed. It was really cool. But I also knew in the back of my mind, um, it felt a little bit like mascotting where people come to a Thunder game for two hours or come to an appearance. They have a great time. Life is suspended for that moment. They forget about their worries and what's going on. But as soon as they walk out the door or walk out of that appearance, life starts right back up again mm-hmm. and their problems are there. And I, I could see that where we're giving them these skills, how to communicate and be a better father and, and provider. They walk out the door and it's um, those are great tools. But if you don't have the foundation and for me, I feel like if you don't have uh, if you don't have the foundation with Jesus and knowing that none of that stuff really matters. I mean, it does. You want to you want to work hard at being the best parent and the best spouse and provide. But when it all comes down to it, none of that defines you, and none of that really matters. It's who are you in Christ, and what happens when you die. And uh, and I felt like so. I felt like I was kind of selling people a lie almost that mm. if you learn all this stuff, your life's going to be much better. Yeah. But I was missing out on the foundation. So. I was approached eight months ago um, by the church. I'd been attending Crossings Church for 12 years since we moved here. And they had a position with their their Edmond campus that was opening up and said, uh, would you consider doing this? And I was like, wow, I never would have thought, you know, I would take a step like that. But that the, my whole career, my mascotting career, and then my almost five years with the, the fatherhood program, uh, and then really starting to understand like that's putting it all together. Um, I hate to say, you know, church service is entertaining and an experience, but it really, there is, 
it's all about trying to remove distractions yeah. and enhance people's time there. So my my first Sunday when I went to to visit the church to see, we brought the whole family and said, you know, is this some place that we want to go? I heard the air conditioner squeaking, <laughs> you know, up in the in the rafters, and I'm thinking, if I'm hearing that squeak, somebody else is hearing that squeak, right. and they're not able to focus right now. And so, you know, that was just from the thunder. I always was mm-hmm. looking for details like that. How can we remove distractions so people can have a great time and understand what's going on? It's the same thing in the yeah. church world. Man, I love hearing you say that for one big reason, because that, uh, you know, as a worship leader, one of the things I always tell people is I, I'm not making God better. Right. Like when I, I can't, I can't improve on God. In fact, all I can really do is take away by distracting like right. that's an, and not take away from him, but all I can do is distract you from him. Yep. And I said, so I wrote a blog about this years ago. It was an open letter to worship leaders and worship pastors saying, you know, um, get over yourself basically and realize the best thing you could ever do is become transparent where I don't really notice you. Yes. And, and I think that that's the thing that's missed. So many people when we get into church, they do focus on production but production is every bit a distraction as the loud air conditioner. You know, I always use the guitar solo as the example. Right. My son's a great guitar player. Like, didn't expect that. I'm not, I can't play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, how, that, okay, good. And I always told him, because he's really, he's a natural lead player. Um, he just picks out melodies. It's really nice. And I said, you know, it sucks to be you because you hit a wrong note, you hit in the wrong time. It's going to be a distraction. But the last thing you want to have is somebody turning to their man, their friend going, oh, my God, that's a wicked lead. Like, yes. that's not good either. Yep. And I said, you, you're kind of in a no-win situation <laughs> unless you are able to put it in. And, and, and the answer to that is, is when he's worshiping and when he's playing, that really doesn't happen. Maybe in retrospect or in hindsight, a person's like, man, the guitar was really great. But in the moment, they're not hearing that. And so I think that that's what gets lost a lot of times at church is this effort for really great production and forgetting that really great production needs to be about amplifying the presence of God or, or making it transparent. The word I used before that you're not really coloring. It's like with microphones in this studio, we have these microphones. The goal of the microphone is to reproduce exactly what we sound like. Well, in this case, I want to sound a little better, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? So you, you want to just get rid of all those transients, whether it's air conditioner or, or something that's distracting on the other side. And that's a line that's just hard to walk for, for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think, too, it's like for the performers or the, the musicians, it comes down to their their frame of mind and their heart. Yes. So are you putting on a performance or are you trying to worship with people? And I think you, you naturally start to feel that. So like the great preachers... Um, are the same way, you yeah. know, are they, are they performing for me? Are they trying to to sell something to me or are they authentically communicating? Um, and are they communicating with me and not really to me or for me? Mm-hmm. I think that we're naturally drawn to authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I certainly am. I mean, yeah. really, and honestly, Mark, I mean, that's one reason, you know, the, the whole, reason for this network is to amplify authenticity because I think that the world craves it. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I, I, I feel like, you know, like I told you the first time I met you, I had no idea who you are or who you were, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you made an impact on me and we just talked about a scoreboard. And I think that's super important to, to recognize is that 
Um, it's not about necessarily the content of the conversation. It's about the authenticity that's coming out of it. Yeah. Well, and I think consistency, one thing I learned with mascotting that trans translates through all life's consistency. So as, as a professional mascot, that's why most professionals, professional teams only have one performer in the costume. Mm -hmm. Colleges, you know, you're doing so many events and they're going to school. They don't have time to be at all the events and, and, sports and everything. So they have multiple characters or multiple people performing. But what happens is something funny happens and the character reacts a certain way in that moment. Then some, the next day something funny happens and they react in a different way. Mm -hmm. And there becomes this, um, the continuity issue of, wait a minute, you know, if, if you and your friend, you know, your friend really well, and you know what they like to eat or your spouse, you know, if you put a hot something in front of them, they don't like hot stuff. Sure. But then one day they grab that and they eat that. It's like, wait a minute, do I know you? Who right. are you? And and that's with the ma- mascotting. If my whole goal was, I need to create, I need to react in very similar ways all the time, so people will relax and they think, okay, this is the same guy, and I, I feel comfortable with what's going on, and I know what's going to happen, even though I still would surprise him with some things. And that's just, I think, in in life, mm. when we, when we're at church, we act one way. When we go to our jobs, do we act a different way? When we go hang out with our college buddies, we ha- we act one way. When we go to visit our parents, are we acting right. one way? Are are we who we are all the time? Mm-hmm. And I think often we get stuck in that, and we want to be we're someone different in each of those situations. And you're really not, you're, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to all your friends and everyone you're around. And then people just don't trust you very much because they, they start to see that. Like they don't even necessarily even know why they don't trust you. A lot of times they just don't because they're like, Oh, something off about you. Yep. Not to mention that just seems like so much work. Oh yeah. How could you keep up with that? Yeah. And that's what Mm -hmm. I love about my, my sermon a couple months or weeks ago was on identity Mm. and, Again, another funny thing with mascotting. So my my whole career, I was working on perfecting an identity that wasn't my own. It was Rumble. Right. Um, but really, my identity is in Christ. So yes, I'm a father. Yes, I'm a spouse. Um, yes, I'm a pastor now. But all of that stuff is just what I do. That's not who I am. I'm right. a child of God. Number one, best title you could have. Yep. <laughs> and and so I have to I have to re- rely on that because. My wife could leave me at any moment. My kids could pass away. My my could get fired from my job. All of that stuff's temporary and will change at any moment. The one thing I know is consistent and will always be there is my child of God title and God. I mean, he's the same yesterday as he is today and will be tomorrow, even when COVID's around and all right. this other stuff. And so that can give me peace in any circumstance. And I don't say that like trying to pat myself on the back, like I'm something special. I'm just, I know I've been through, like my mother passed away about four years ago, weird lung disease. Um, you know, my, my brother-in-law was murdered 11 years ago. Um, there's, there's some big thing. I, I struggled in school. I, I have ADD and uh, dyslexia. So school was terrible for me. Mm. So there's some, I definitely didn't have the worst life and I'm not complaining at all, but I going through those times, it, it, none of that really mattered because I knew this is not who I am. This is just what I'm doing or what I'm going through in this moment. And 
I, I can see, I've been promised things and I've seen these promises fulfilled and uh, so I can rest easy with that. Man, that's so good. Um, man, we're out of time, but I don't care. So I'm going <laughs> to, I want, uh, when did you come to be a follower of Christ? When did that happen? I was about seven years old when we were in England and, um, so I was, it was pretty young, mm-hmm. but I remember John three sixteen and really understanding even at that young age, how, wow, you know, Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus to die. So for my sins, for stuff that I'm doing and going to continue to do and how amazing that is. Uh, and then not to have to, I don't have to have that guilt for the rest of my life. And I know what's going to happen afterwards and get to live with him as long as I believe. That's mm-hmm. all I have to do is believe. I don't have to be a good person and I don't have to do all these things. I just have to believe in him. And when I believe, then usually those good things happen. I mean, that's the the fruit of what happens when you are a believer. Yeah. But I, and I'm definitely not perfect. I, I know there's uh, probably many people that will listen to this and we've had some bad interactions <laughs> and, and I apologize for all those. There it is. See, <laughs> but I continually try to keep focusing my life uh, on trying to emulate Christ's life. And I'm never going to reach that, but um, yeah, it's just a work in progress. Yeah. Always will be. Man. Thanks for coming on, dude. Cool. Well, this thanks. has been so good for thanks me. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. It's, it's been a blast. I, I've got some other stuff. We'll talk off air. I want to just get your thoughts on stuff, but, um, man, it's such a pleasure to have you, man. We'll have to do it again. And I can talk a lot more about mascot stories and some fun stuff there too. Fantastic. <laughs> um, well again, I want to thank, uh, everybody for joining us today on uh, conversations uh we've been listening to mark taylor the uh, original rumble the bison uh not rumble the buffalo just so we're clear rumble the bison god bless you guys and uh thanks for joining us uh if you like this podcast and you want to find more that are kind of along this line not necessarily this same exact podcast you can go to streamgrace.com and uh we got a bunch of different ones there always adding more so check back often and uh It would always be helpful for us if you chose to subscribe to this podcast. So anyway, thanks again. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Stream Podcast.